0: There and welcome to another edition of the One Percent Better Podcast with your host Rob O'Donoghue.
1: Hello there and welcome to episode eighty-seven of the One Percent Better Podcast. Thanks for checking it out as always. And I won't do a huge long ramble tonight or today. Uh, Whenever you're listening, I will probably do a, a solo show soon enough. It's been a interesting few weeks and. I um, haven't probably been as prolific with releasing stuff as a result but hopefully over the next while we'll get a number of shows that have been recorded out and i'll share more stuff in a in a solo episode soon but this one is with a very very interesting character alistair rogers alistair is originally from wales but he's been living in new zealand for i guess nearly 15 to 20 years and his area of expertise was certainly in the area of performance, using video analysis to help the All Blacks rugby team win a couple of World Cups is pretty good going. And in the last few years, he's moved more into the coaching side, working with the Auckland Blues and just recently with uh, Samoa, um, just on the November. Tour just gone. If you're interested in performance, understanding the growth mindset, how to get that extra one percent, certainly using the technologies and tools Alistair has in the areas of video analysis, you'll learn a lot from this. If you have a fascination of the All Blacks rugby mindset and culture, you'll definitely get something from it as well. And as I just look down through the show notes, of which I think I've taken probably the most ever. There's a lot of learnings in the areas of psychology, performance, mindset, what else did we talk about, behaviours, goal setting and the area that I'm probably most fascinated about myself in the last year or so is, is getting to know yourself better, self-awareness, developing emotional intelligence and really trying to better yourself. Uh, as the as the whole theme of the podcast would suggest, trying to improve in small increments with deliberate practice. So Alistair is uh, somebody that certainly ticks a lot of those boxes and shared his journey uh, in detail for this podcast. So I will leave it there and I hope you really enjoy. As always, if you're a new listener, maybe check out the website, sign up to the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, there's 80 six other episodes of this and the other podcast the 864 is out as well all i ask is for you to give me feedback to tell me how it's going if you're enjoying these let me know we're coming to the end of season two i guess kind of wrap that up in the next month or so and do a reboot and a reset for next year setting 2019 goals and all that good stuff Lots of that to come, maybe I'll talk a bit more about that in the uh, the solo show. But as always, I really, really hope you take something positive from this episode and learn something and enjoy it. Thanks and have a great day. Hey folks, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I guess the reason I'm stumbling across that one is because it's 8am in the morning here and uh, I'm uh, not used to recording this early, but... but uh the reason behind it is I'm talking to Alistair Rogers, and Alistair is in New Zealand, uh, Auckland specifically, Alistair? It is, yeah. Great, and it's 8pm uh, it's 8 a- 8 there, and 8am here, so we have a, quite a, a disparate uh, time difference, but great to have you along, Alistair. Folks that mightn't be aware of who you are, can you maybe give yourself an introduction, what you do currently, and and we certainly can take it from there.
2: Yeah, look, Rob, uh, first of all, thanks very much for having me on. Um, where the, currently, uh, my role is assistant coach of Samoa. Um, that's rugby union. Uh, so I've, I've got uh, two roles on the go at the moment. So that's the latest and greatest. Um, alongside that, um, I've got a, a job with the NZIU, so New Zealand Rugby Union, uh, as a uh, high-performance coach so what that involves is um going around the the country coaching coaches so uh a busy time
1: brilliant two two very uh, interesting roles there definitely for me the the high performance pieces I'm fascinated about and um as we'll we'll talk through it I'll probably give you a bit more colour around that um for folks listening, though, they're probably picking up on a, on a, on your accent a little bit there. Um, it seems to be quite a quite a, a unique mix of of a couple of uh, cultures. Can you maybe talk me through your your background, where you originate from?
2: Yeah, so it's it's definitely not South Africa. Uh, a lot of people actually True. say,
1: "I could I could say pick that, that up me, actually so. a little bit there." Yeah,
2: right? yeah, yeah. But it's it's uh, it's probably it's something that I've termed Quelsh. So uh, I, was, I was born in Wales um, and I moved to New Zealand 20 uh, something years ago. So I've been here quite a while. Uh, so there's a, a nice blend of, um, of, of Welsh and, and Kiwi accent in there.
1: I can yeah. I think I could pick up more peewee <laughs> at the start, and then kind of certain Welsh stuff came out there a few seconds ago. But uh, no, that's <laughs> it's a fascinating story, I suppose, the last twenty years in in New Zealand. But I was reading a little bit about about you, and um, I think when you were growing up, you know, rugby was certainly uh, the major focus. Uh, I I'd imagine. I think your your dad gave you some good advice in those early years. Uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um. I think I was I was pretty uh, sporty as a kid, and um, I had to kind of make a decision around when I was around 16 years old whether I was going to have a crack at uh, soccer or cricket or rugby. And rugby, we we a rugby family, and obviously, well, Wales are pretty um, pretty mad on the on the sport, and that was the first choice. So um, that was the path that I decided to to kind of follow, uh, just purely for my because of my love for the game. Uh, and then I got to a, an opportunity, so I'd, I'd played uh, professionally for a, a number of years. I'd been with Neath, uh, which was the Welsh All Blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been with um, Aberavon, which was a club in South Wales. Uh, so I had a number of clubs, and but in the back of my mind, um, the advice that Dad had given me when I was a young fellow was. You got to go to New Zealand if you want to learn the game, um, because they were the best in the world in his eyes, and the All Blacks. He loved the All Blacks, so um, he said, "Look, you've got to go there to learn the learn your craft." Um, so I always had that advice back in in the back of my mind, and I just waited for an opportunity, uh, which came about with a friend of mine who was playing Neath and he was a uh, a Tongan player who who's in Wellington in, in New Zealand and him and I got pretty friendly and um, he said to me one day look would you would you be interested in going to my club and that was the opportunity that I'd waited for really and I just kind of had, had Lynn Jones was the coach there while uh, in Leeds at the time and I had a chat to Lynn because I was pretty young and wasn't really playing and so I uh, ended up uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, Leonard agreed to let me go and and uh, paid my own flights and off to Wellington I went.
1: Wow, big! So what you were about eighteen or nineteen or so at that age were you?
2: Uh, Twenty, yeah, okay.
1: very Yeah. very young. And and I guess at that point, your aspirations were from a a rugby playing perspective. You know, where for, how far did you see yourself going, or or did you start to think, you know, maybe there's another angle that I could stay involved in the sport?
2: No, I guess for me, it was just about being the best that I could be. And I and I didn't, I wasn't aware of how far I could go, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to give it give it a try and to see how far I could go. You know, it was always a bit of a challenge. And um, when I got to Wellington, I was really lucky to be in a, involved in a club which had um, won a premiership and was stacked with international players, because um, they all at that uh, time a lot of the young uh, a lot of the All Blacks were still playing club rugby and the Tongan internationals and Samoan internationals so my team was stacked, um, and they gave me a, a fantastic uh, grounding really and in, and learning and I met a lot of good people who um, who helped me along the way uh, and got to a point where I thought well I could, I knew I was going to stay in New Zealand for the rest of my life but I,
0: hmm.
2: in the back of my mind was always. Well, could I, how far could I go in Wales? So um, that was when I decided to kind of to go back and had a contract to play for Abervale because Wales had then had nine professional teams. Right. So um, I was shifted back, moved back to Wales and, and started with Abervale, uh, played a number of games there and, and got injured. <laughs> um, Graham Henry was the coach of Wales. I met Graham. Um, We'd had a number of chats about the possibility of me playing for Wales, but my injury had uh, uh, had closed my 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 shop door. After after that, I was out for a substantial amount of time uh, and change um, change a coach to see if Steve Hansen. Hmm. And uh, that was me. I think that was my my window gone. Right. So uh, yeah, that it- was. Just how it panned out from a playing career.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I've interviewed a couple of other folks in the in the rugby world, um, and one uh, an Irish guy Cork guy uh, Johnny Holland. He played for Munster a couple of years ago, and he got a, an injury. I think it was a hamstring off the bone injury, and never could really make it fully back. But I guess at that point, the a new career kind of opened up as a result. So it sounds like you know something similar happened for you the The area of of performance when you were trying to improve and trying to get better yourself as a as a player were you maniacally focused on making improvements in your in your game or you know how did you was that analytical view always there
2: uh yeah it was there um i didn't really know uh or hadn't recognized it then to be to honest I, mm-hmm. I always wanted to get better so we used to use the old videotapes and I'd spend quite a bit of time uh, play and pause, uh, watching the watching the, the tapes and writing down notes, and but everything was to do with my game, and um, so I was pretty analytical as a as a player, but but never really realised that it was it was just purely for me to to understand how my performance went and what I could do to improve. Mm-hmm. I wasn't until um, I kind of when I'd finished playing, uh, went into the real world, uh, for a, for a stint and it went, what I would call the real world, which was, uh, which is the, the office working world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted to, to, to finish and then be a coach. That was, I, would I'd, I'd had that in the back of my mind and because I, I was from a family of teachers. So my sister's a teacher and, I, and my cousins, a lot of teachers. And so I was, always, always liked the teaching aspect. Mm. Um, so that was the aim for me. And I got a call from Mike Ruddock, who was with me in Evervale. And he'd asked whether I'd be interested in going to coaching island in Balanar. Yeah. In, in there, in the Mayo there, uh, so that's what I did what I did I, I kind of leapt out of the real out of the real world and back into the, the coaching world um and that was a great opportunity for me to go there and um and actually live live that life um mm. it was re- I thoroughly enjoyed it at a great time learned a lot um but I was still only 20 maybe 28 and I what I felt was I still had a little bit of a burning desire to go back and play and get that out of out of the way first before I committed myself to being a coach
1: right
2: so um I managed to having a have a season with London Welsh and then I moved back to New Zealand, which was uh, which which was where um, i I stumbled across the analysis path
1: right and and for those few years moving to ireland and Ballina, what club in Ballina was it like just Ballina rugby club or something yeah was it? it was
2: Ballina rugby club yeah okay. we were in the uh all-island league
1: all Ireland league at that time and were yeah. you doing any formal badges or, or coaching training in parallel to that or prior to that or, or to kind of really develop that uh coaching skill
2: i'd done uh as a professional, you you had to do a level one in Wales, so I'd done mm-hmm. that, and I'd done I'd done a, a level in New Zealand when I was here originally. So I'd had a couple of pieces of paper which give me a little bit of credibility, but you know I would say 90% of coaching is actually you learn when you're on the job, yeah. <laughs> like like most jobs really. When you're getting you you cut in your teeth and you're in the mixer, that's when you actually you start to learn a lot, you know. Mm.
1: very interesting so when you went back over to new zealand the opportunity to start doing some video analysis work presented itself like that whole area last year one of my first guests on the podcast I, i talked to a lady lisa fallon who is um she's a video analysis coach for for cork city and also the northern irish soccer team and uh you know we were talking about her growing up watching videotapes as well of football matches and and just having this passion to try and break it down uh, just similar to what you would mention but was it still relatively uh, new at at that point in in the mid 2000s the video analysis work
2: well there was a a company set up in New Zealand which was probably were leading at the time um and they were heavily involved in right away through New Zealand rugby and uh, they were coding, or what we would call coding, which is basically tagging all the events that were would occur on the rugby field, and collating a massive amount of, of data on uh, what goes on in a rugby field and and how it was measured. So that system was was through the um, professional ranks really in in the country, right. um, and I I. When I moved back, there was an old coach of mine who said, "Look, you'd be really because I I had a degree in computer science, um, mm-hmm. but never never really used it, only in a teaching, um, in a teaching manner. And there was an opportunity there. He said, look, with your skill set, you know, like you've obviously played professionally, you, you coach, and and you, you understand how to use a computer. So that was half a battle. Uh, would you be interested in?'" in helping us, uh, you know, in, in, analysis for club rugby. Mm. Uh, so that, that was how it started. Uh, and, and what I did was I was working as well. I had a job, but on the weekends I'd go and video a couple of club games and tag the events of the, of the games, meet with coaches, uh, from the clubs on the Monday night, and give them a breakdown of what, had, what had happened in their games. And, um, and then they could you know do what what they wanted with the information, so that's kind of how it started. Um, Monday nights were got uh, the teams got less and less as the season went on, and there was one team that really kind of took up every week and said, "Look, we really like what you do, and how many other teams use it?" and mm-hmm. I said, well no one no one you know a lot of the, a lot of the teams had just dropped off by then, and uh, didn't really see the value of it. So uh, they said look would you would you help us so yeah no problem i could i could help and they won the competition that year for the first time for 20 something years i think
1: it's like a, a money ball uh, p- comparison there in front of a yeah, m- movie type yeah. uh, comparison just interesting when you were p- doing that work at the weekends and bringing it out to the clubs on the Monday was that kind of voluntary you were trying to sell that service to them or was it something they had already kind of committed to using and just give up on
2: well they they'd committed to using it okay. um but it was voluntary from from my perspective yeah. um it was just a see look why don't I just see where this this can go and the fact then that i thought well there's i can still stay involved in the game mm. um I'm actually watching rugby i get to i get to watch rugby games i get to 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 really kind of break down a game and as a player I thought I knew the game but I had no idea until I started to coach and until I started to use the analysis side of of the game Hmm. it was really opened up my eyes Um, so that was was how it started Um, we won the competition and Um, the Wellington Rugby Union had come in very quickly and said look can you do the same thing for us and so I, I started to work with the provincial side in Wellington, and I only did—I um, didn't do very long with with the provincial side because I got picked up by the Hurricanes and started work there. And within half a season, I'd been picked up by the All Blacks. <laughs> wow. So, so, so it, it had gone pretty quickly. Um, purely because I—I well, th- I think it, it was my my way of thinking to myself, right, well, I'm going to give this a go. This can teach me the game. I'll go back into coaching at some stage, but mm-hmm. I really want to spend time learning the game. And at that point, I'd started to meet uh, some really smart operators in the game and um, and spending time with them just sitting down talking about the game. And that's when you kind of realize that you, you don't really know that much about, about it. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was – i was i was very fortunate to, to be able to to be able to do that
1: very cool one question that comes up for me there is, so if when you were bringing that monday night analysis to to the groups and they were dripping off and one stayed around one suppose was were you providing just the analysis were you providing insights and, and kind of advice and guidance or were you just presenting the information and they had to kind of interpret it themselves or, or was it a mix
2: no it was it was just advice and guidance yeah. um, because that that well, I think there's you have a number of type of analysts the, where I my skill set differed um, was the the road in New Zealand. analysts took were IT people generally mm. because they knew how to use a computer and they could put some stats together and then they'd give it to the coach and that was that was them done you know mm. um, but because of my my skill set. Um, that wasn't really how I approached it uh, and it was only by chance I thought to myself well I really want to give this a go and I want to try and be the best in the world so how can I who do I need to know in order to be the best in the world and I'd spoken I knew someone who had an email address for the guy who worked for the All Blacks and uh, I emailed him and I, I, I knew, never never thought he'd come back to me Brilliant. I thought, oh, there's no way he'd, he'd, he'd actually give me the time of day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but any, anyway, he—it turned out that he was the All Blacks were in Wellington um, shortly, and he got hold of me and said, "Look, can, you, can we meet for a coffee?" And I sat down with him and I said, "Look, I want to learn." And he uh, explained my background, and that's when he said to me, "Look, you—you've got a, a completely different skill set to everybody else in the, in the country, and what are you doing?" on the game uh, no, on the weekend because we play France and I could do with a hand <laughs>
0: <laughs> very cool
2: um, but that was you know I, w- I was then still learning the craft of using the technology and yeah. understanding the, the information And um, but it, I was always coming at it from a coach's perspective because that was how my kind of brain worked
1: mm. What did you put in the e- – I'm fascinated about the email because if I send an email to, I don't know, uh, uh, t- Tony Robbins and say, Tony, can, can you come on to the podcast? It's about 1% better. You know, don't tend to get a, a response. But uh, uh, what was your, your kind of hook in, like can I, I can make the All Blacks 10% better or something like that? Or
2: <laughs> No, it was never at that angle. Um, what I've found over the years is just asking people advice is a very good Starter in an email um, because people are never threatened by that. They always think, Oh, that's that, yeah, happy to give advice. So I found that and I've still maintained that uh, when contacting people is just asking for advice because ultimately that's what you're after. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I was after. I, I, was a, I wasn't after his job, I was after advice to be the best in the world. So um, I had no idea that. I didn't really understand the lay of the land and and the the framework in which which he was working to. So um, that's the it was it was kind of non non threatening mm. in that way.
1: Very cool. And and does, I suppose does that say a lot about the mindset of of uh, the, the person who who was who was, the, who was the guy at the time you were talking to, or can you even
2: say? Um, no, yeah, well, it was it was a guy by the name of Andy Sullivan he was working for the he'd been working for the Crusaders and he'd be working for the All and then he, he eventually left the All and went to work for the Wallabies
1: okay but but even that yeah. his mindset and and I suppose maybe this is a question that you can answer around the culture and and being open to different things like he said to you this is a skill set that we don't have and that's something we want to in, incorporate and, and help us improve was that I suppose obviously refreshing but was that something you had then started to see in general that weren't fixed in any way? Was was trying to continually improve, even though they were already potentially the best?
2: Uh, yeah, I think um, to be honest, Rob, I, I kind of stumbled across that the, in the life in New Zealand, and it's one of the things that made me want to want to live here is how they approach life. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one one year working for uh, when I was playing rugby and. I was uh, working in, in a telecom, which is uh, the biggest kind of telephone company, and um, I'd made a mistake. I can't remember what it was, but it, um, I, I think I, I did something, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be absolutely dragged across the coals here. <laughs> yeah. um, but the well, the boss was fantastic, and all the boss had said was, what did you learn? The first thing he said, what did you learn? I goes, oh, I learned this. And he said, great, move, let's move on. And that was and that was it. And I thought, wow, how how good is that? I, I want to. That's how I want to live my life. You know. Um, so when you meet people, and like Andy was the same, very open, very yeah. Look, you've got a great skill set. I can use you as much as you can use me. Why don't you know? Can you can you can you give me a hand? And I'll show you kind of how it works. You know. So and and that was because cause we're a small country and it's, there's a a lot of collaboration. That goes on, um, and that's that's how how we they approach things, which which was something that I really liked and and wanted wanted to live my life that way.
1: Mm. Is that a value that's ingrained in in the school system of of you know taking a chance, making a mistake, not getting punished for that? Um, where does that come yep. from? Do you think? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is. It's um, incredibly encouraging. Um, you know, everybody's everybody's kind of helping each other, and it's you know, like I said, it's a small country, and uh, you know, they they tend to we tend to try and find ways to to make things work and how to fix problems and how to rather than dwell on the problem itself. And um, like I said, it was something that really resonated with me very early, and I thought that's the way I want to live my life.
1: Mm. It's uh, definitely a good feeling to have, isn't it? That it puts you in a in a positive state of mind and, and less, I suppose, less fearful. If uh, if you're going to get reprimanded for making a mistake, that that kind of brings a, 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 a kind of a, a fear mentality, and uh, that that develops, I suppose, and festers if if it if it's something that's around a lot. So so that's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, like it kicks in that emotion, doesn't
0: it? Mm.
1: You
2: know and. You, you invariably, a lot of people make mistakes. Know that they've done that. Yeah. So hopping on about what they've done is, oh, well, you know, they they probably know that they've made the mistake. So it's just about how you rectify it, and the, it's the response is the key. Mm-hmm. And uh, you live if you start to live your life in that response um, mindset, then uh, I think it takes away a little bit of that fear and and opens up you know your your growth
1: yeah no absolutely I, I totally agree um so so the whirlwind uh hurricane even maybe <laughs> is it probably another word you used But you start so from the time of me that coffee to the time of full-on working for for the all blacks what was that like six months or not even or
2: uh yeah it was six months um i'd met met and had coffee um I'd gone into camp a couple of months later, and uh, I was still working with the um, with the Hurricanes and uh, Andy. I hadn't heard anything then for a while. I was just chipping away, and and uh, got a call from Andy to say that they needed a backup uh, person. Every member of the management team needed a backup person for the World Cup, and would I be on standby? Uh, remember that conversation very, very vividly because we were uh, the, the birth of our daughter was, was imminent around the same time and my wife caked. I'd, I'd gone to her and said, look, this is a possibility and typical kind of response from my wife was, well, it's okay. It's only our first kid. We'll have more, so don't worry about it. Make sure, make sure you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Good one. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it was a I know it was a great that was all I needed to hear, really. So I said, "Yep." Um, and then I went back into camp before the All Blacks uh, assembled to leave for France in 2007. So I assembled with them in the camp and spent the, the week the, the week with them, learning, and understanding, um, and obviously that was was another fort- a piece of fortune, because um, Andy had had a bit of a role change during that time and needed to spend a lot of a lot of his that week uh in front of a computer putting DVDs together for leaving players because uh, they were quite big on a lot a lot of the players that were leaving they they wanted to leave them with a few memories and things like that so he when I got into camp and he said look you've got you're just going to have to run the whole thing
0: <laughs>
2: nice. so um he said I'm just going to be locked away in the hotel so that was an opportunity which was great and that's when I started to spend a lot of time with Wayne Smith and uh he was the person really who just completely opened my my eyes to uh what was going on in a game and and, and understanding a game and very very responsive to uh to how i worked as well so pretty cool to be involved with
1: Wow. so the the whole 2007 world cup experience was was your first real in depth uh engagement with the group and what did you kind of take from that and I suppose was there even any input or or anything you had to add during that from the analysis that made any impact
2: no not at that time time. Um, it was purely I just needed like my yeah it was it was a it was a learning experience for me and very much like like my first my first year really Um, I, I guess I can go on to that but when I what happened after that was was obviously there was a lot of a- the aftermath of of 2007 because it wasn't a very good it yeah. wasn't a, a a good campaign and um and I st- I was just about to start with hurricanes and then I had a phone call from the manager Darren Shane to say look, would you be interested um in applying for the All Black role because Andy had left right. he'd gone to the wallabies so um I went and applied for the job, went through the process, and uh, and and was fortunate enough to get it.
1: What was that? What was that role? What was the title of that role? Was it it obviously a morphing kind of changing role as well?
2: No, it was it was uh, it was performance analyst. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but uh, the the first thing for me was my my approach was, um, you know, test matches are short. um, In 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 prep time, and because when we're, we're together, where you're actually, you know, you're, you're away, and mm. um, so my approach was to just to basically try mimic as much as as what Andy had done in my first campaign, right. and just make notes and be very studious and provide a service to them that being used to from his perspective, which was literally just. Plugging computers in, printing out stats, and that was me, you know. Right. Um, until I could actually sit down and and see where where it could go, what we could do better, um, you know. So that so that was kind of the approach that I took in my first year.
1: Right. And I guess with that, you were probably, I, I'm guessing, very keen to say, right, this is steadying the ship, or I'm just kind of learning the ropes here, but there's so much more in me here that I actually want to, to try and change things or tweak things. Was there a level of trust that you had to build with the players before that could happen, do you think?
2: Yeah, look, it was trust with the players, trust with the coaches. Um, I, rem- I remember one, um really clearly one evening, and I was up, Must I think it was around three o'clock in the morning or two or three o'clock in the morning, and I'd walk past Wayne Smith's room and was on, and we we uh we keep the uh a, a bath towel over the uh over the door so that because we we spend so much time in hotels mm. you know that's it's like a home really and you saw the bath towel you knew that someone was in so uh knocked on his door and he was hunched over the computer and I said what are you doing and he was he was trying to change some stats which the analysis company had provided but he didn't agree with
1: right
2: and uh I said to him oh, this is this is crazy you know like you should be coaching you 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 you've got a session that oh, I can do, I can do this mm. and that's when he said all right well let's let's I said all you need to do is show me the game show me how you look at it show me what you want and you know he said that he he hadn't been used to having that support because the person was a you know an IT person before and mm. um but ultimately that wasn't my skill set you know so uh, that's where it kind of started really was, was Wayne sitting down with me and going, this is what I need, this is how I see it, and then me providing it and that, that trust building. Then I did the same with Graham Henry and, and Steve and the rest of the coaching staff, and, and that's what, what built that trust after the, uh, the year ended. And I wrote a report. I sat down with them and wrote a report and said, look, if you want an IT person, then you need to go and get one because it's not me. Right. But I but I can provide these things and and this is how I can help you and and that's kind of how we move move forward. Then going into my second year,
1: very cool. So they were well on board. D- do you remember a standout moment in the next you know couple of years where you were doing analysis, you identified maybe a pattern emerging or something that needed tweaking and. It being played on to the players and, and then putting it into practice and, and it having a positive result, or was there a, a, events like that happening regularly?
2: Yeah, they were they they started started to become um regular ones, but the the key thing for me was I, I always had in my mind that I was providing a service. Mm-hmm. So I'd sit I wouldn't go directly to the players, I'd go straight to uh, uh to to Wayne or Steve or look, this is what we've seen and he's right, okay. And then they'd present it. So there were there was a real clear for me a clear brown boundary mm-hmm. of um, what my role was and where it ended and what the coach needed to to do. Um, the players was a little bit more interesting because you spend a lot of time looking at their game and analyzing from a an individual perspective. I, guess I go through every tackle and um, so they, they developed a lot of trust there because they would know that I'd started to watch a lot of. Game and and what I was kind of looking at, so that developed over the years um to to regular one on ones with them, you know, because they trusted what I was being able to do and bring. And so my whole, but by two thousand and fifteen, my my role had completely changed.
1: When I was thinking about this, was you coming into these, you know, world class, top of game professionals and giving them advice or, or telling them what they could tweak. Sounds like with the the mindset of of the New Zealanders, they were pretty open to that. I I would imagine that mightn't be the case in in every country or every every team where they might say, you know, what have you done, sort of thing, compared to me, and that closed mindset. Would would that be fair?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and like you say, it's it's a it's that building of trust. Um, when if you spend, you know, I I was lucky. I was there for nine years, I think, and
0: mm.
2: over that time we had a backbone which was pretty steady, apart from you know quite a few people leaving and you know, after the World Cup in twenty eleven, um, and different some some different coaches changes and trust was was uh, very very strong with that group, uh, and I became a real integral part of the coaching group and. The players knew that, and um, but that that does take a little bit of time, and you you've got to understand people to be able to read the that that boundary, mm. um, and certain th- you know with certain people I wouldn't push anything until I knew that I had that trust and respect to be able to say things to them. So it wasn't in never in a way in confronting. It was always. A way of uh, for them to try and get better, and and their mindsets. To be fair to the players, were always, or um, they that, that they were trying to get better as well. So we were all trying to grow in the, go in the same direction.
1: Mm. And and you mentioned between twenty eleven and twenty fifteen, your role changed massively. Maybe talk mm. to me about some of the, the 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 big changes. I suppose the extra responsibility that that you got with that I suppose trust and the results coming
2: yeah it had grown um you know the the demand on information had had grown and it was just me and i was trying to do a, a technical role as well as a a, a tactical role and um i felt like i just couldn't couldn't really stretch to that so we ended up having a second person who could take the technical uh the technical stuff you know and all of the plugging the cameras and do all that kind of stuff right. All that was self-taught by me. (laughs) I didn't have a clue when I started around doing that, so I kind of taught myself as I went along. And um, but they knew, you know, the environment knew that I needed some support, and if I was going to be the best that I could be, to give them the best information that they wanted, that uh, I'd need to be purely um, looking at the as a game, um, the technical technical side of the game. So. We had someone in to help me do the technical stuff, and um, and then I became purely in in the data and the video and in one on ones and running meetings and stuff like that. So it became it became um, uh, a, a a big change, but, but by the end of it all.
1: Mm. But it sounds like that's exactly the type of move you wanted to to get into more real performance enhancement as opposed to just the, the kind of, as you said, the tactical putting videos out there. And that's a bit more probably procedural that you could easily hand off. But um, the real insights is probably where you were keen to focus on.
2: Yeah, because, again, that was my, um, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted my end goals to be a coach again, yeah. you know. So um, then it was kind of, well, how how can i make this work how can i do this and i wasn't i was really aware of i first and foremost that i was i was an analyst but when when you spend so much time with players and they know that you watch all the games and they trust you implicitly with the information that you're giving them um then then they do rely heavily on you Mm. and um but in the back of my mind, I was always a right. Where's this going? Where? Do, when do I finish? When do I, when, when, when do I go back to coaching? Um, what's the perception going to be when I go back to coaching? So, uh, I, and what I mean by that was the perception would be, oh, he's he's an analyst, so he hasn't really who's he coached, you yeah. know. So, yeah. um, and I knew that. So after after 2011, I went back coaching club. I was coaching schools. I went to coach club, um, and. Through um, through obviously my, my ship the All Blacks, I was still doing my All Black role, but 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 trying to coach anyone and everyone I could mm. outside of that to keep keep uh, on the grass. Um, and I was again, I was very fortunate through some feedback for the, from the players uh, that Mark Hammett of the Hurricanes, uh, he'd asked me to be involved with their campaign for for 2014 as uh, doing the defence. As an assistant, okay. um, so that was that was great for me to go to go back and 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 do that, as well as do the All Blacks and then World Cup year back in full time, 2015, and um, and Wayne Smith had come back for that year as well, so I wanted to to work with him again just to give me um, he'd had a little bit of time out, so it was. It was really important for me to to reconnect with him and to see what he'd learned in his time out and and try and um. Me, you know he was a big mentor of mine and mm. and I loved working with him so and the draw of the draw of uh back to back world cups was very very strong yeah. you I know? affected no one had, no one had done it no other team had done it that was a was a real draw card but i knew after that i'd finish and i uh, i would then transition into co- full time back into coaching
1: i guess you had reached or re-reached the peak uh, of what you probably could do within that D- during that time as you started getting more hands on with the coaching did opportunities present themselves did did you kind of push things back or were you always kind of cognizant of after that world cup it was the right time to, to try something different.
2: Yeah, it was, I, I definitely made my mind, um, that, that, that was the time, uh, I needed, I needed to go. And I had an opportunity. I, I, I'd, I'd gone down to the Crusaders and they were interested. And, uh, ultimately it was John and at the blues who I met with and offered me a role straight away after the, after the, uh, the world cup. Mm. So, um, while well, we were living, we were based in Wellington, uh, so it was a, a something that I I didn't I couldn't really turn down, sure. uh, and I was super excited by Auckland and the fact that they hadn't really done um, that well, and the potential of of the the project, and I thought it was really exciting. So, uh, so if, yeah, after that World Cup, uh, I uh, we shift we shifted to Auckland, and it was just before. To see uh just after actually, after the World Cup and John had uh, rung me and and then he'd said, Oh look, I'm I'm actually leaving. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, how's this gonna work? Uh, yeah. But um uh he said uh, Tana was gonna gonna take over the role and um that Tana would ring me and I, I I'd had a really good relationship with Tana anyway, I'd known him for a long time, been in Wellington and played against him and of we had friends of friends and stuff and then tana yeah. rang me and said look are you, st- are you still interested and he said yep mm-hmm. so and that was kind of my next path then of of moving back into super rugby and um, and and trying to embrace that challenge
1: all that time as you were building to that moment of of you know becoming a defense coach you were were, were you putting together your own program uh, approaches how you would put a strategy together and implement that That's something that you were forming all the way through or was it until you got that concrete role then you really had to focus in on on that just interested in seeing how that might have evolved
2: yeah look uh, that's a good question Um, to be honest Rob probably from the the time I knew I was going to do it after 2011 um, I used to sit down with the All Black Calendar and plot where, where are we going on tour who can I meet um so that was the you know that was the way i approached it who can i meet who can help me because i knew the all black way and i knew the uh, how we how we our methods um how we coached but i knew that i needed to t- kind of grow my uh awareness of what was happening outside the game and just talk to different people so i would plot the um plot a calendar and so we'd be in Cape Town here so maybe I could meet uh a, a Brendan Venter or um you know if we were in London I'd meet a Paul Gustard or I'd I'd go and I'd go and meet as many people as I could who who just through conversations had had maybe maybe that would work maybe this would work so I I kept on I've I was I've got books and books and books and books of <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and
2: notes and things over the years you know where 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 I was so I really needed to be put myself in the best position that I could, so that when I had an opportunity, I was absolutely ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't have all the answers, Rob, um, and I knew I didn't have all the answers. But you, I'd, I'd had a, a rough, an, an idea of where I wanted to go and how I wanted to approach it. And you, you know, you've got to be able to just try things. And I was certainly, and I'm still not. By any means, uh, the, the 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 finished article. Uh, but if you've if you've got a big big growth mindset and a, and a, you're a learner, then uh, it becomes a lot easier that way. Yeah,
1: and, and I, I find. No oh, absolutely, and I think even just picking up on what you're saying, you were doing a lot of that analysis and research and building those relationships and and gathering all that information i think there's a point i suppose where you could do that forever and never really learn a whole Mm -hmm. lot and then by by taking on the role within the first month you've probably learned how much of that is valuable or or not at this point in time the the weird comparison i have here is just even doing a podcast right I, i could spend months planning it and getting it right but until i record an episode and put it out and let people hear it I don't know if it's any good or not really, you know, so it's, yeah. it's kind of doing that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's such little things, isn't there? Like I remember going back to club after being involved. I was, I was involved with the All Blacks for a long time and I had been for maybe six years at that point and I'd gone back to coach club rugby and at that point in the All Blacks, you could um, – they, the players were very, very good, obviously, and understood their bodies. And you may say to them it would be one part of their body that would – that's what you need to focus on, you know? And they'd go, yep, right, got it, and they, they'd be away. And um, it was actually when I went back to club and then you said, right, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the reason why we're doing it. Like, let's go. And you see a hundred things wrong. <laughs> and you're like, wow, hang on, you know? It's – there's so much so much wrong here, but you you have to kinda of think on your feet and go right, what well what's the really important message? What's the first thing? What's the lead domino that's gonna knock everything else off, you know? Mm. So those those kind of processes that you're on field and going through are really, really important. And um and I found it so beneficial to be able to do that.
1: So the, the two years you you were with the Auckland Blues for, for the two years how would you three. To, oh, three years in full right okay yeah, how, yeah. how would you describe that that journey um, what were the kind of key takeaways from it um, how, how has it even made you better
2: that's a good question um, I think it's the biggest lessons for me were um, the, probably in my first year it's not what you know it's 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 what they know ultimately it's what you can teach you know but it's it's ultimately ultimately the ability to get all a lot of information that you've got in your head and, and out, you know, so that they understand it. And um, that, that that's an important lesson is is how you come across and how you deliver things and um, and trying to find your coaching um, your style, you know, because sure. um, I learned off a lot of different people and mm. trying to find out. Yeah, you know, what's my approach? Um, so that, those were all little tweaks that we uh, where where I I kind of learnt. Um, that was in my first year, second year. I thought we were better um, defensively. It, that was the the hard sell. Really was defensively because uh, the the game here, and I say here in in, in New Zealand is very very attack based mm. you know like the, it's it's ingrained when you're a young kid like my, my boys now are five and six they pick up the rugby ball bare feet and you know um, they run around that's what they do and so attack comes natural um, so it, it does take a while to, to try and change your mindset around defensively and I thought we made some good strides into that in our second year um, but I'd started to see a few things which which, um, I felt were was potentially could could be the undoing of us. Um, and what I started to to study is, I got to a I got to a point where I thought to myself, right, if I'm gonna I want to be the best coach that I can be, um, and I need to give myself to the team, but ultimately. I need to work I need to find out who I am as a person first. First and foremost, who am I as a person? So I went down that road, um, which I've found incredibly beneficial actually before I can teach someone or really fully um, be authentic with my relationships. I need to understand how I operate and who who I am as a coach, uh who I am as a, a dad and a, a husband and hmm. I got to that kind of um it, some people may say it would be a midlife crisis, but it's actually not. <laughs> I, I don't think it is, but it's yeah. it's
1: just a... It's an awakening, I, I think.
2: An awakening, you yeah, know? Of, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah, It's um, the, the
1: know thyself. Uh, it's something I... So I'm a coach, an executive business performance coach outside of sport, obviously, and that whole question of knowing thyself and, and just emotional intelligence. I could talk for hours about it, but, but it, I think we go wandering for so long. And I think you do start to ask that question, but it's a question of timing as well, and it only happens when it's meant to happen, you know. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm totally on board yeah. with you there.
2: Yeah, so I kind of started to think about my personal philosophy and what what it was, and and then if I can articulate what my personal philosophy was, maybe I could share that with you know my players and be a bit more vulnerable with them and get them to open up uh, and and kind of create that uh, bond. And authenticity with them, um, and that's kind of what I did. Uh, I I was very fortunate to go to the states um, on a fact-finding mission, really, and I met. I went to Chicago Cubs, met some wonderful people there, um, and then uh, managed to to meet a guy who was a who was a friend of mine, Michael Gervais, who works for the Seattle Seahawks, and he. I spent a lot of time with Mike. like he's he's a exceptionally bright. He's he's one of the best in his field, if not the best in his field. So I was very fortunate to to spend a lot of time with Mike, and I still do. Uh, I still speak to him really regularly about coaching and um and and really trying to uh, harness their personal philosophy so that so that that um when I when I was in, when I was in an environment, I knew these are the behaviors that I want to live by, and these are the behaviors that I actually um, abide by. And if I saw any behaviors below the line or above the line, then I'd be able to articulate that towards my way of, of thinking. Um, and it was, it was it was a it I, I think spending time on yourself is, is it's probably a lifelong lifelong. Project, yeah, but not not many people actually do it. Mm. <laughs> it's hard work. It's hard work to be able to open up and yeah. kind of understand yourself and um, and really live a, a growth mindset. I, I think growth mindset gets branded around a lot, mm. and really live it is hard. It's 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 a it's an ongoing development it's it's an ongoing commitment to, to, to be able to do that and um, anyway that that's what founded my the base of my coaching and I got to a point in my third year and thought we've got this horribly wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> as, a, as a club Um, and I felt that they were we, you know we, we were going in two different directions me mm-hmm. is where I wanted to go in my coaching I, I wanted to be the best coach I can be I want to be an international coach so um i we managed to get through this year and uh i i had an a contract extension offer of a couple of years but ultimately decided not to do it and wanted to change direction
1: but but that in itself is you getting to know yourself right that that you had the I suppose, I don't know, is resilience not the right word there, but just the uh, the self-belief to say that's not the right decision for me and to go in a different direction is probably something you mightn't have done two years ago, right?
2: No, that's right, I wouldn't have and, you know, to um, to get, come home to your wife and your kids and you say, oh, I I, I actually I resigned today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brave. And it's, wow, you know, but um again i'm i'm extremely fortunate to uh, have a wife who lives the same um philosophies and or she has her own personal philosophy but she's highly uh, growth mindset and highly she's an entrepreneur herself so okay. she's a high performer so the both both of us um are able to to help each other as we go along and yeah it was it was it was once, once, once you have that line in you, and once you understand your philosophy, it was a, re- a relatively easy decision. I, I don't actually agree with that. Um, I want to go in a, in, a, in a different direction, but thanks very much. You know, I've learned a lot. Culture was a big thing, hmm. um, and, and I, I didn't agree with what we where we will go in with the culture. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that that was uh, that was a, a good decision. But I, I believe that um, you know something things happen for a reason and um since then obviously i've, I've shifted to, to to samoa and and into the back into the international arena again which is really really exciting
1: Oh it sounds exciting and i'm i think we're just touching on some of the stuff that i am fascinated about you know about behaviors and, and values and just interested how how did you did you use have an approach to to identify some of those key behaviors or, or values for you i know it's a journey and it's probably always going to be as you said a project lifelong but was there anything you did to um unearth some of them
2: yeah i, I um i actually sat down and wrote a number of values which were what i you know humility and uh, integrity and uh Perseverance, courage, and all those kind of things. Really, and just sat yeah. down and thought, right, which ones relate to me? Which ones, um, which ones resonate with me the most? Uh, and then, again, going through um, through my time in the states, harnessing those conversations and spending some time saying, okay, well, this is these are the ones that resonate with me me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, Mike Gervais. I always used to say if you've nailed it you you should be able to say what your personal philosophy is within 25 words or less Yeah, and it's something that him and Pete Carroll did with the Seahawks um, yeah. you would have read, I saw it on your site actually
1: with the, with the wooden forever yeah it was actually Issa uh, yeah. that recommended uh, oh, yeah. the, the book I haven't read it yet but yeah. I'm definitely on the list so yeah
2: yeah so Pete's, that that was Pete's, so Mike and Pete um, they 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 work together, mm. and uh, so I just followed a, a framework like that, really. Uh, which, again, it was something that really resonated needed with me, and I found it a very easy framework. And um, and I as as we we touched upon, I think it's something that's on, ongoing. You know, like you 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 tweak it as as you as you go through life.
1: Mm. Yeah. it's Uh, it's it's, uh i've talked to a lot of people about their core value said i do it a lot in coaching as well and different approaches different techniques different um ideas to to capture them and and to make sure that they're they're real and that they're they're meaningful but i always love uh, love hearing different views on it mike gervais somebody geez i think uh, i might have to ask you for a connection with him as well (laughs) i'd love to love to chat with him potentially at some point but um so many good stuff bits and pieces there um and, and i think a lot of the questions around getting better improvement you've touched on you know we touched on values and, and decision making and i guess you have mentors and influencers there um you talked you talked about your style of coaching though what what is that like now um how would you define your style or what, what would uh what would that look like or sound like
2: um well for me i'm i'm I am really athlete-centered, you know, so um, how my approach is, is all about uh, building relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's the key key thing for me, is I'm a relationship-based coach, um, and trying to get that, make them as authentic as possible, and empowering the player. Um, I question a lot. That's uh, The approach we, we have here in New Zealand, you know, it, it is very athlete-led. It's it's very uh, a question approach. Um, rather than being a dictator, I think it's um, at some point you've got to have the skill set of both. You know, there's times when you need to dictate and there's times when you you, you have a little bit more freedom to, to be able to collaborate. And But ultimately for me, it's a collaborative approach. Um, how I run my I have a defense unit. So within within the team I, I pick each each p- uh, position will have one representative from a defensive perspective. And um and I I allow them to to lead and I facilitate really uh discussions around how they want to defend on the weekend and what we need and how they think we should train. And I I know what I want because I've I've done all my work. Um, but if they if if they have a um have have a piece of skin in it, and they then it makes them accountable, and they uh, they they really hold that. And that approach is um, something that obviously we did through the through the Orbelex as well. Mm. It's 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 very very powerful. I believe, because ultimately, and unfortunately, we can't can't go on the field and make tackles anymore. Rob, my shoulders are killing me. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I can't I can't even tackle my five or six year old at the moment because my (laughs) my shoulders and my back are ruined from the game. So Mm -hmm. um, we 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 can't play the game anymore. Mm. Um, So being able to, you know, it's a decision based game, and um, you know, being able to give them the tools and ultimately. Let, let, create an environment where they can learn and fail and be comfortable in that. Um, but as long as we're learning and heading in the right direction, um, and encouraging them—that's that's my style.
1: Very cool. I'm conscious that we're up on the hour, uh, which which is which has flew by, and I, I have two two last ones, and, and this one being. A video analyst and and very analytical. Um, where does intuition come into your kind of approaches and decision making, and and uh, how how do they combine? Uh, again, intuition is something I'm fascinated about. Uh, so repeat repeating myself on this show uh, over and over. But how, how does or what comes up when I mention those two together? Great question.
2: Um, you know, intuition is an interesting thing, isn't it? Uh, does in- intuition come from experience? Mm. So, if I sit, like for me, I'll sit down and watch a lot of my, I'll go back, sorry, my, my skill set, which is, makes me a point of difference as a coach, is now the ability to look through a lot of information, but really narrow it down to what's, go back to the, um, Lou Holtz philosophy of what's important now. Mm. So, having got, you know, I'll watch, 10 games or however many games I need to and then be able to say well, that's not important. That's not important. That's not important But these are the things that are really really important for me For this week and this is what we need to concentrate on um, And then trying to sell that to the players or my, my leadership group and then letting them drive it. So that's kind of the the approach and then some of my intuition probably would be backed up by <laughs> the fact that I've done a lot of work in the background to know I've got to that point.
1: That makes an awful lot of sense. Does that though. make sense? No, it it, it does. It's a, a, a definitely a, a different view, but it, as you were explaining it, it, it kind of clicked for me. So uh, obviously, as you see, a thousand videos of a match over of matches over the last few years, and it's your intuition. Your intuition is telling you what to go for because of the experience of going through it over and over again. I guess that's kind yeah. of what's happening, combining the two.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I feel. Um, and then because you know it stimulates as I go along I can think oh I'll I'll put that I can put I'm lucky enough to be able to put it on a back burner so we won't need that this week but we're playing this game next week and it might okay and I'll park that somewhere and then next I'll go back and I may forget about it but then somewhere along the line something will kick in and go oh no you've actually oh yeah that's right let's have a look at this club yeah yeah
1: that's what i was looking for <laughs> Yeah, do you have um, an approach to actually keep track of that so like project management is a background that i have and it's very planning orientated and even putting all these things together i have kind of lists and lists how do you kind of keep track of of everything and to know when this might be important is there workflow tools or, or methods you have
2: you would hate to see my desktop, Rob.
1: <laughs> With icons <laughs> all over it, is there?
2: Oh it's dreadful. Oh, God, Absolutely no. dreadful. But but it's organized chaos. Right. It's organized. I know I know where it is. Right. Um I, I use my map. I I my map quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I, I, I for big picture things, you know. Yeah. Um what what I find what what I find kind of talking about big picture things from an analysis perspective, I believe now that we've got to a point where New, New Zealand, I feel I had this conversation last week because I'm, I'm still involved in the the analysis program and developing it from a coach's perspective here.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, I feel that we've got to a point where we've got all, a lot of information, but what do we do with it? And it seems that from a coach's perspective, time is a big thing, time to, to deliver, time to do this, time to do that, especially on the field. So really... Um, it's it's having that that um, the big picture, the big rocks, as we would say, the the big rocks the, or the, the lead dominoes, however you want to phrase it. But being able to to make sure are these are the fundamental things that I need to cover off this week, or these are the the structures that we need to to build, um, and then and then making sure that you nail those. So I mind map those which I found really helps me to go through that process um, to be able to, okay, what's the process? I draw a process and then go, okay, these are the big rocks within that process. And that's what I'll constantly make sure that we nail. And that's a good example uh, of what I've managed to do with some more because we we get together on Saturday and um, most of our players are based in the UK. So... They play in France. Some of them are from the Southern Hemisphere. We've only got a week to prepare before our first test. So really important for me to be very simple, very but methodical, and I've got a lot of detail which I sit behind if if needed. And on that, Rob, one of the best things that I've found from a coaching perspective that I've done is to do the um, social styles of learning. And I think that is really, really apt for business as well as sport is if you really want to understand your staff or your players, then getting to know how they learn is really, really important and what type of personality they are, Um, because then you can tailor your approach to giving the detail to, to people. You know, overall, if you're in a meeting, then you have to make sure that you cover all the learning styles but again it, you may have it may be a time factor that you're battling against because someone else wants to say something in the meeting and someone else wants to say something and so you've got a short time to cover a big picture this is what we're about and these are the reasons why you've got to sell your why um, so that, that Simon Sinek yeah. uh, that Simon cynic approach of start with your why is oh, yeah. is, is really um, really uh, relevant uh, and then have that, uh, understanding individually. Well, I know, Rob, I know that you're a, um, we use the, the four quadrants, you know, the ones I'm not sure whether you've used, there's,
1: whether, whether what, the
2: personality what, kind of types.
1: The disc one, is it? Or, or is it this? It's
2: like this, Yeah. The red, the
1: Yeah, the red. Very, and blue very, and yeah, the red green. yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. And there's multiple different ways of doing it. It's, you know, whether you're amiable, whether you're analytical, whether you're a driver, whether you're a, um, you know so but disc is a, is a, is another great example um and if i know you're a red then i can approach you in this way if i know you're a green i mean i may have to put my arm on you and have a joke with you to lighten up your mood a wee bit and then we can get into stuff if you're a, another colour and you're a driver i need you just to be straight away i've got to be honest with you and give you the facts because you don't want all the waffle
1: yeah no it's uh, it's definitely A Good approach,
2: yeah. So that's, um, I'm very big on that, uh, as well. Hmm. For I use that a lot, yeah, in my my one on ones, and and having that approach builds that authenticity then with your relationships,
1: yeah. No, definitely. I think, uh, authenticity seems to be coming through a lot as well, and um, you know, not just in sport but in business as well. If you if you kind of can't be authentic, uh, I think people can see that pretty quickly. Um, you know, they, they can spot it, and that's when you lose that connection or trust or potential uh, relationship building can can be much tougher. So, um, yeah,
2: and look, you're not you're not always going to be, uh, you know, and you're not always going to be right. You know, and I think um, to being vulnerable is key is another key.
1: In vulnerability, though, is it something that you find challenging? In, in the world of, of professional rugby, from from the relationships or, or that you've seen, or are people more more and more moving towards that? Is it is it a value of the New Zealand team, for example?
2: It is a, it is a value of the New Zealand team, um, because you have authentic relationships and you have that um, that trust that builds the trust. Um, and I think you know, when you're a young coach you pretend potentially it's tough being vulnerable Um and some coaches don't want to be vulnerable or you know in, in business as well because people see it as a weakness but uh, it's it's a massive strength if you can change that mindset around and I don't think I think it's a fine line Rob we, you can't always be vulnerable because then people will go oh god he's, oh, oh well I was vulnerable again Is yeah, he actually yeah. does he actually know what he's doing or you know yeah but there's there's certain times where you can be vulnerable enough and just to, to stop that ripple in the in the pond effect go hey mate that's my fault've I've stuffed that mm. you know um, or the approach again of boys I want you to do you know this we agree to this is what I want you to do and we, we you disagree disagree sorry we disagree and commit to it mm. so you not everyone you may not get everyone in the room but if they're willing to put themselves, uh, the team themselves and disagree and commit to what you're doing and, and then be vulnerable enough as a coach to say hey look if this doesn't work then it's on me it's not on you because it, this is the approach that or I think we need to do you know mm. um, so yeah it, vulnerability not every week but it's it, it's very—it's a very powerful, powerful thing
1: and it comes with experience, I presume, as well. You know when to and when not to uh, to show it. So, very, yes. very true. Last one, Alistair, and it, you've touched on books a lot, or kind of influencers during during our conversation, which is which is great. Some of those I've already got on my book page. But any one or two impactful reads you've had of late that spring up that has uh, changed your thinking, helped you unlock something. What what might uh, spring to mind there?
2: yeah he i've got i've got about five on the go at the moment uh, I know. um I
1: know and i can't
2: read them i'm terrible for reading them in um
1: Parallel, is when, it?
2: when i'm working you know All like right. i can't yeah, yeah it's but um obviously the the one on on that you've got uh which was stephen covey's book uh seven the seven Hair Behind. Yeah that's, yeah that's that's would be in my top five
1: okay.
2: um the obstacle is the way
1: Mm, I've heard of that. I don't think I have it up there.
2: Ryan Holiday?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I've heard of him, yeah.
2: I found that very good. Um and I've actually given that to some of my athletes. Um again, to do with adversity and and the stories in the title, but finding that you know, trying to change your mindset to see that the the obstacle is the way forward and you approach it and you you don't. Um, try to avoid it, and you, you confront it. And uh, uh, very, very good book.
1: Cool. Yeah, very, uh, very good. Any, any others that uh, are jumping up?
2: Jumping up. Um, the there's a very clever man. Uh, your side of the world, Damien Hughes, who's just finished a book called "The Barcelona Way," which is good for cultures.
1: Hmm. And is that um, is that in Barcelona as in the city or the, the yeah the team? Uh, sorry
2: as in the, as in the team
1: okay yeah, based yeah, on right
2: Pep Guardiola's um, okay. influence uh, mm. in, in what what he's done um, that's good for culture for culture and things like that um, if you're if things aren't going well and you're you're not sure from a leadership perspective uh, there's a book called the uh, turn this ship around i found that very good too because that tells you confirms what what you're not to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> sometimes the best learnings are things and, not to and, do
2: and, I, uh, and i've just been through that
1: <laughs> well like uh, it sounds like though you know that you've gone through some very great highs and everything was not everything was going well but been with New Zealand for three World Cups learned an awful lot and then you've gone into the club game and, and faced another massive set of challenges and learned a lot from so it's a great great mix I suppose it puts you in a good place for the future
0: Yeah I
2: think it does and um, you know I think the, probably the, my best uh, the best time for me without a doubt as a coach has been with the Blues you know because a lot of people would um would see it as a you know a failure really, but for me I don't view failures like that. You know, I don't I, I see them as great learnings and I've learned it's been fantastic. Um and I'm really, really pleased and I genuinely believe that that I'm really pleased to have gone through it. Because at the time there's certain certain things that you go, oh this is terrible and things aren't going, you know, well and um an on field performance shows that but um but if you've got the right mindset um then it's a great great learning opportunity and and I've been really blessed to have those and uh hopefully many more to come not failures but
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> more Sorry, learnings, learnings. We, uh, yeah. learnings yeah learnings should we say uh, no it sounds uh, uh it sounds like you're only getting started uh alistair and it's been great to warmed up. yeah it's been really <laughs> fascinating to to hear your your story and and picked out some really cool stuff there that i'm I'm sure people will will enjoy listening to as well um so look that's been great do you do you want to give a shout out how, how folks can get in touch i know we're, we're on twitter uh following you on twitter is there any other ways if anyone wants to drop you an email after getting inspired from this um this podcast
2: um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. You now you've asked me something, which I'm, I'm, you know what I'm like. Uh,
1: I, I'll put the link in. I'm not very in, yeah, not really anyway. good on this.
2: Uh, not very really good on this <laughs> technology age, to be fair.
1: Yeah, no, I'll um, I'll, I'll give your uh, af, Twitter probably be the best one. Yeah, Twitter yeah. seems to be the best for most people anyway. No, I'll I'll put a yeah, link yeah. in there. Uh,
2: the other guy was David Marquette. I just remembered his name, David Marquette. M-A-R-Q-U-E-T. q u e t let's turn the ship around it's good that is that's yeah it's he's um he is a uh i'm not sure if they call him captains but uh of a submarine he was the worst took over the worst submarine uh in this in the u s naval army <laughs> and to and turned it around
1: it's literally turning it it's, around so that's yeah it.
2: yeah 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 so it's but it's there's some really good stuff in there yeah
1: Excellent. A few more good ones there, Alistair. It's uh, as I said, that book page that I have building is probably <laughs> I'd say I have half of them at this stage, but I'm just looking at my shelves here and I have so many that I like you. Have, have. you got any
2: for me? Oh, okay.
1: oh, God, where do I start? Um, I, I uh, like uh, we didn't talk about kind of, kind of fundamentals of you know, getting yourself into a, a good mindset space for me, it's meditation, and and uh, yeah, I would, yeah. I I actually
2: actually yeah you should I'm I'm a big I'm a, I meditate I'm a big morning routine right.
1: person yeah that's what we talked with Isa about um and kind of getting into the habits of doing three or four things in the morning uh that, that there, there was a book I read called the autobiography of a, a yogi I, I always butcher the name it's yogananda paramahansa I think is the, the name of the <laughs> yogi uh and <laughs> it's it's about Fair 100 years attitude. old um i'll send you a link it's on the website as well uh that right. that's really good and uh I, i'm looking at the art of happiness by the dalai lama i read that not so long ago that's ah. very good um really good book and and just you know talks about compassion a lot and happiness and for me an awful lot of things that come up and what i do in coaching as well is around identifying your one thing and then practicing it deliberately over a period of time and you know yeah it instills it then at the moment i'm trying to do that with swimming i'm trying to get better at doing oh, yeah, swimming yeah. and oh, uh, um, and it's that typical approach of of be it happiness be it compassion being gratitude whatever um so that book was quite good for uh for getting that kind of mindset going as well so oh yeah
2: yeah yeah my the other one for you would be uh, Ray uh, Ray Delario. Oh yeah, Delal- the Principal. The yeah. yeah, that's good. Too.
1: I haven't read it. I've seen a lot of his clips. Um, he'd be a good guy to get on, but he's kind of a uh, difficult. You don't have any connections to him No <laughs>
2: Nah, I don't. I I've, I've, I haven't caught up. I have never spoken to him. No.
1: We'll uh we'll we'll leave it there for now. So, alistair we we we'll maybe get back in <laughs> Mike, twenty you... twenty nineteen and do a book a book uh, review session or something like that. Thanks so much for for doing that. I I really appreciate it. Uh,
2: my my, uh, my pleasure. My it's great to meet you.
1: Yeah, hopefully you got something out of it as well. A little bit of reflection is good too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Always, uh, I've done a few of these, and every time you you kind of reflect on a few things, it's it's been it's it's great.
1: Perfect. Best of luck with the tour.
2: Cool. Great thanks again for your time Rob. yeah no Appreciate thank it. you no
1: it was brilliant to talk to you Alistair safe travels and uh, stay in touch
2: okay we will do take good care man. man thanks a lot All
1: Bye best. bye bye so how did you find it a good show hopefully do take a second or two to let me know and before you do dive off Just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, The 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site, go to the podcast page, there's a link for 864 there, or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, that would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a One Minute Monday video clip. clip which is also a tip to hopefully make you 1% better check that out it's on the website on the video page did you also know that only about 1% of listeners to podcasts not just my own but all leave a rating leave a review get in touch or give feedback and I would love if we could book that trend and put it to 2% for this one so please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and hopefully you're getting one percent better as a result of these shows take care and good luck